Hello, and welcome to One for the Road. I'm Cam Washington, and as always, we're with Bob and Randy. Today we're talking about the Westminster Confession and what it means to be a confessional church and how that affects us as a PCA church at Perimeter. So sit back and enjoy this episode of One for the Road. Uh, well, it's good to be together, and uh, one of the things that I did want to uh, ask you, Randy, since you have done a lot of uh, reading and you've spoken about this as well, just kind of help the guys, un- uh, give them a little brief history of the confession and how we got to where we're at with the Westminster Confession. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, yeah, for those of you guys who are listening, you know, this is, I don't know if we're going, you know, zero to 60 in 2.1 seconds right. here or from 60 to two miles an hour right. in, in, in three seconds here and kind of like, er, what, what, what do you mean we're talking about the confession? What does that mean for us today? And, you know, Bob and I will kind of unpack that maybe in this podcast, maybe even in, in another one, but we really want to help you begin thinking about uh, how we got to where we're at. So I want to start off by by talking about this whole idea that we believe the Bible prescribes a system system of doctrine or a system of way we should live, and that includes a system of government, church government. So um, you know there were there were hundreds and hundreds of years of the early church where things were kind of moving forward and not to get into a long, drawn-out, sordid story of the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages and all the things that happened there and things that kind of went sideways. But uh, most of you would be very familiar with Martin Luther, Reformation, John Calvin, all those things that happened in the 1500s. And, and all that was great and just super that, that Luther came along and said, boy, it's justification by faith alone, in Christ alone. And we kind of reset at that point in time. But what, what didn't happen there in the 1500s specifically was for the, the, the church of the divines, as they would call them, mas- people of masters in divinity, to think through again, well, how do we kind of prevent that from happening again? What does that look like here? Because somehow we got sideways and no one said anything. Then we were more sideways, then we were more sideways, and all of a sudden we were in the ditch over here when it came to a lot of issues. So uh, in the, the mid-1600s, when there was this kind of tragic civil war going on in England with Charles I in Parliament, um, he actually called to Parliament, actually called together a group of divines and said, give us some insight here in, in terms of the church, uh, church polity, um, uh, systematic thinking on, on what, the, what the Bible teaches and how we should live. Now, you know, there's a bunch of political intrigue that kind of came along with that. Were they, were they really pure of heart trying to get these guys together? Nah, not, not fully. They were mm. trying to kind of get the Scots engaged in the war against Charles I. So there were some uh, behind-the-scenes things going on there. But, but the bottom line was they did get together in the early 1640s and began thinking chapter by chapter, verse by verse, thinking through what does the Bible say about and, and therefore how do we interpret it and if a man is going to be a minister, uh, we want to have a standard, hence the, the, the standards, the Westminster standards, to which he must subscribe. He must, he must agree to and believe these certain things and agree to preach them and to live them also. And if he will, then he's one of us. If he won't, he's not one of us. We, we could be wrong on some of these things, but, but there are other denominational persuasions that he can get engaged in. Uh, so that's how the, the, the thing kind of came together and heavily influenced by the Scots. The uh-huh. Scots came, even though they were small in number, 
they were very vocal, and uh, it was heavily influenced by them. At the end of the day, and I'll, I'll shut up after this, but uh, at the end of the day, the confession was adopted by the, the, the Presbyterian Church in Scotland, never was in England, because they went back to this whole thing about, well, we really think we need some bishops here, and they're kind of in play mm-hmm. with the cardinals and the, 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 mm-hmm. the, the state church and those type things. We don't think we want to give up that whole idea mm-hmm. of, um, of, of, of the rule the way we've got it now. So it never was adopted there. But at the end of the day, we ended up with the Confession of Faith. Right. And, and since that time, and maybe you'll take us from here, Bob, uh, we sure would have loved for everyone to say, Lock and load, yes, sir, we salute the flag and we're good to go and we'll never talk about this again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, like email begets email, confessions beget discussion. So I think from there the question became, okay, now are we going to abide by this? How do we amend it? Those t- we talk about that later maybe. But then also what does it mean? What does it mean going forward, you know, into the 1700s and 1800s and go from there? So, right. so it... Uh Presbyterianism, Presbyterianism uh, came across the pond, and here it is uh, making its way to America. And, and in 1706, uh, the Presbyterian Church comes about. And uh, eventually, uh, there's a controversy that they have to deal with in the church, and that is a, that's from a pastor. I mentioned this recently in class, but there's a pastor in the Newcastle Presbytery, uh, named Robert Cross, who had uh, an adulterous affair. He confessed to that. And uh, basically what happened is the Synod at that time of Philadelphia uh, disciplined him and barred him from the pulpit for four weeks. And, and that was it. Well, there were people that were really upset about that in the Newcastle Presbytery uh, because they felt like it was not just a you know a moral... Uh, falling, but it was also a, a doctrinal failure as well. And so they uh, really, basically, there was one particular guy who came forward and said, it, you know, what's essential here is that uh, men who are coming into the ministry, they need to submit to the standards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there was another guy who basically was uh, saying, no, what, what you're doing is that you're binding our conscience here. What's more important is that uh, a minister demonstrates a heart for God, particularly through his conversion. Mm-hmm. And therein, I think, lies a tension that has continued over the last 250-something years because uh, you know, what we would say is doctrine matters, uh, belief matters, but also your heart matters, your life matters. Mm-hmm. Your conversion matters. And so um, Presbyterians really came to this whole thing of uh, uh, what we call good faith subscription. And right now where we allow certain scruples, uh, that's a word that's been used, to the confession or to the standards, that uh, as long as they're not striking at the vitals of religion, we allow for that. Uh, But... It's interesting that here it is, back in the 1730s, 1720s, 1730s, they're arguing about the fact that you have to, you know, subscribe to these standards, and then another side say, no, it's really about a person's heart and their conversion and, and their experience, and, 
And I find, quite frankly, that, as I said, there's still that tension today. I mean, do you, do you run into that? Yeah, and it's interesting as you say that. And by the way, uh, those of you who are listening, Cam Washington's with us today, so I'm sure he'll, he'll add in just thoughts or questions that you might have along the way. But here's the intriguing thing to me. People will say uh, our consciences, I, I, let's put Cam in the mixer. Right. Cam interprets the Bible, mm-hmm. and as long as his conscience doesn't convict him, uh, he should be able to interpret it that way. Bob interprets the Bible. He should be able to interpret it that way. W- what the standards are saying is we, some really smart, like godly, godly, super godly men got together and we interpreted the Bible. Right. So, Bob, thank you for your interpretation. Thanks for playing. Cam, <laughs> thanks for playing also. We've interpreted the Bible. And, and these godly men came together I can't remember how many there was hundreds of them that came together over ye- over a long time, months that they did, maybe years, uh, to say, okay, this is what we believe Scripture says about this. Now, the question then becomes, okay, Bob, do you think you know better than they, or Cam, do you know better than they? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where this tension comes, where some people would say, frankly, yeah, I think I do know better than they do. And it's like, whoa, that's kind of a bold statement. There's a hundred divines 350 years ago came together, right. and you're thinking now you know better than they. And, and you know, maybe we can get into some of those nuances, some of those issues, to be able to say, you know, no one, you know, the section on the deity of Jesus, no one's saying, well, no, I really think, no, I don't, don't, don't think he was, so let's, let's you know, because it didn't strike, it strikes at the vitals. But there are certain sections in there mm-hmm. where people would say, um, you know, uh, we interpret that different now than they did then. So the question, Bob, is like, let's let's go to example, this, this idea of the Sabbath and recreation. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was a cultural thing then? They didn't have the National Football League and the National Basketball League, you know, summer school hockey or whatever whatever we, we've got these days, all this recreational stuff. Uh-huh. So would you just say that was a a cultural thing that they said the Sabbath means... That you should not rec- that you shouldn't recreate on the Sabbath. Well, I think that well, and what he's referring to is twenty one eight in the Confession, where it it talks about that. Can you remember exactly how it said? It said that you. I can pull it in just a second yeah, here. Yeah. But that we don't uh, that we don't engage in recreation on the Lord's day, and. Uh, and so what, what uh, often will happen, there will be some men who will take exception to that as they are, are seeking to be credentialed within our, our presbytery. Uh, the question would be, what, what is meant by recreation and what do they mean when they were talking about recreation mm-hmm. during that time? And... Uh, so you're asking me, is it a cultural thing, meaning that it did it just apply to then? It doesn't apply to now. What exactly? Yeah, that that that. You know, recreation now. I mean, we've become a culture of leisure and entertainment, right? Right. And so was recreation, leisure, and entertainment. Yeah. Right. So now here's here's what it says specifically. It says, "Sabbath shall be kept except." All the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employment. So that, you know, Randy Post has been preaching an amazing series on, on that whole thing. But it says uh, thoughts about their worldly employment and recreation, but also are taking up the whole time 
in the public and private exercise of worship and the duties of necessity and mercy. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea of employments and recreations. Mm-hmm. So many would say, um, I think what they're talking about there is we can't golf on Sunday or play tennis on Sunday or watch NFL football maybe on Sunday. It's a recreation. Mm-hmm. So then, again, we have people coming to our presbytery who say, well, I want to take an exception to that. And can you, I don't know, if, if you can nuance the difference between an exception, a scruple, and a, I can't remember the other term, the, there's a third term there, between that. Take, take, take an exception versus a scruple. Yeah, I think a scruple is that when you read an, a part of the confession and uh, the meaning it may not necessarily be clear or it could be debated about exactly what that means. Uh, And so a scruple would be, I may look at that differently in terms of, for instance, recreation. I think it could be a scruple, maybe. Uh, Or there there could be places in the confession where it is clear what is being said. And when you take an exception, you're saying, I don't agree with this. For instance, uh, there was always a there was always an exception they took about the civil magistrate, right? Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, the the civil magistrate's involvement in the government of the church, and so people would take an exception to that. Uh, so I think the scruple would be more so a nuanced meaning that could be debated. An exception would be more of a you know, something that's more clear in the confession that somebody says, I don't agree with that, mm-hmm. but it doesn't strike at the vitals. Is that That's yeah. the way I understand it. Yeah, I agree. Do you want to ask a question? Um, or a thought? It just, the Sabbath has always been an interesting th- thing for me because I've heard different opinions. Mm-hmm. I know guys who do from 6 to 6, from 6 mm-hmm. Saturday night till 6 p.m. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um and then just like you were saying about Randy doing this series on the Sabbath has been really helpful of what the purpose of the Sabbath is. Because for me, I always thought it was take a rest from the things you do during the week. So I was like, okay, so I'm not going to when we go to church. I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. And then there is funny. One time, Kylie, my wife, was uh, vacuuming at nine in the morning on Sunday and I was like, babe, like we don't we don't vacuum on Sunday. That's not what we do, you know, because it's the Sabbath. So, I guess. So are you saying you vacuum other times during the week? <laughs> I don't. She does. We oh, make, okay. <laughs> you're making it worse, man. I don't. <laughs> she does. Worse, <laughs> I'm not a very tidy person. She does that for us. Um, but yeah, so I just never quite understood with that example. Mm-hmm. I've always seen it as don't do's on the Sabbath. But what exactly are we doing? on the Sabbath that we would take exception to. Right. So I guess that's the question you guys are asking with what does it mean with recreation? What exactly are we doing on the Sabbath that we would have to take an exception to in order to keep? And if if we are trying to take an exception to it, is that beneficial? Is it necessary? What what is it that we want to do that we have to take an exception to? That's a heart check issue. For me, it's like, Mm -hmm. what is it that I actually want to do that I'm not willing to give up that I need to take an exception to what? Like you were saying, Mm -hmm. some incredibly godly men said, we look at the scripture, this is what the scripture is telling us collectively, not just the three of us, Mm -hmm. but like hundreds of guys Mm -hmm. coming together. It's like, Mm -hmm. you would assume 
you would you could trust their wisdom and the insight that the Holy Spirit gave them. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of rambling, but that's kind of like my train of thought is yeah. what exactly do I want to do on the Sabbath that I would have to try and take an exceptions to yeah. that I can keep on doing? Is it golf? Is it tennis? Mm-hmm. Is it cleaning? Is it mm-hmm. some extra emails that I want to do on a Sunday? Or is it I need to take a break from these things so mm-hmm. that I can really focus on reflect and remember mm-hmm. the work of Christ mm-hmm. on my behalf. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of what I'm thinking about is like, what would I have to do? Like, what am I trying to take an exception from? Mm-hmm. Am I really trying to really give that up or if I should continue to wrestle with the Lord on this one? Yeah. Cause there's three choices here. I think one is to say, I subscribe. This, this is the full sub- or strict subscription. I will not recreate on the Sabbath because they said it. Thus saith the divines. I will not recreate on the Sabbath. The other is, um, I take an exception to that. I don't think they should have put that in there. So I think it should be taken out. I don't have votes to do that, but it should be taken out. And so I'm, therefore I'm taking an exception. The third is with the way they interpret recreation, the way I interpret recreation are two different things. And that would be a scruple. That would be a scruple. Exactly. Right. They're interpreting right. it differently than I do. Right. Yeah. So th- those are the issues. Well, let me go on to a more challenging one here, Bob, as long as I got the Bible answer man uh, and Bob Carter with me. So this is on the chapter on marriage and divorce. Right. So here's what the, the scripture says. Um, it, it's the duty of Christians to marry only in the Lord, and therefore such as profess the true Reformed religion should not marry with infidels, papists, or other idolaters. So the well, let's close in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, you know, it's like, see, that's why I wonder sometimes, and, and, and far be it from me to, to um, think, hey, this is too old school, we need to re- rewrite the confession. But I do think there's some language here like idolaters. You know, what do they, what do they mean by that? You know, we're all idolaters. Mm-hmm. That means you can never get married. So they, they don't mean that. They may mean someone who's specifically saying, I am worshiping the idol of or, yeah, or, sure. or, or whatever it might be. Sure. When it comes to Papists, they're talking about Catholics. Right. So some of our guys in the Presbytery would take an exception to this clause or a scruple at, at a minimum to say, I believe that you, we can marry a Catholic. Now, right. Catholics may not believe they can marry a, a Presbyterian. <laughs> That's all another ways. thing. May not go both ways. But if there's, there's a person who's a Catholic, that, that we should be able to. And this, of course, is in the context and time of there's this huge religious civil war going on. Whoever is in power, if the king is the Catholics, all the Protestants mm-hmm. are being martyred. If the king is a, is a or queen is a as a Protestant, all the all the Catholics are being martyred. Mm-hmm. It's going back and forth. Yeah, Aaron, so. that's why some people would take an exception to that mm-hmm. uh, because they would say, "Well, that was, you know, something that was going on during that time." Right. But you know, let's you know, let's be honest. You know, it depends on what presbytery you're in, because mm-hmm. another presbytery would say, "No, that's not an exception." Right. Mm. You know. Right. <laughs> it depends on. You're striking at the vitals of what mm-hmm. you know, our religion is about, and mm-hmm. in essence, you're affirming Roman Catholicism. So, yeah. I mean, it is a challenge uh, we have had because uh, I chair the credentials committee in our presbytery. We have had a few come forward and who have taken that as an exception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in our presbytery, we've allowed we have allowed for that. But at the same time, it may not necessarily be true in another presbytery mm-hmm. where they would allow that for it to be an exception. Meaning, 
that they may, if a guy comes forward and he says, uh, I take that as an exception, there may be some presbyteries that would say, I'm sorry, we're not going to ordain you in this presbytery, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. So. So that makes it challenging. So I think, you know, the, the, the partial point we're going to make today is that a couple things for you guys who are, who are ruling elders specifically and are teaching elders is that, that we are called by our office to have read the confession Absolutely. and understood it mm-hmm. and then to declare. And we have had some guys from time to time who have come up who said, you know what, in, upon further review... Um, <laughs> You've checked the cameras. Yeah, I am now, I need to take an exception to this clause in the confession. Hmm. Or I used to take an exception, but now I don't. Hmm. But to declare, it doesn't disqualify specifically, but, yeah. but part of it's a matter of integrity mm-hmm. to say, I, I've read it, and here's here's some issues I've got with it, um, and then, then, then go from there. So I think yeah, and I think thing. that based upon our conversation today, I think it would be, I'd like to come back and talk about 21A. Okay. Because I think some of the things that Cam brought up, and of course, we're in the midst of a series mm-hmm. uh, where uh, right now Randy is talking about, you know, the commandment mm-hmm. uh, of keeping the Sabbath day holy. And so it certainly applies to 21A. And in fact, and I, I'll, I'll share this with you, which is kind of open another can of worms. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a committee meeting last night and, and somebody in our presbytery sort of challenged, not me personally, but challenged us of, Asking why do we have a Saturday night church? The church of this here brother church, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. meaning that it was not mm-hmm. in his mind on the Lord's day, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. these are these are, and by the way, he did it in a loving way, but uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. like okay, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm chairing this committee and having this meeting, and I said, well, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Let's defer that. It wasn't on the docket. Uh, it's not on the docket. <laughs> we'll defer that. Talk about That's that a good later. Presbyterian way to go about. But. Um, but, I mean, these are real issues. And I mm-hmm. think that uh, at the end of the day, I, I, I love what you said, Cam, because uh, the, really at the end of what you were saying was, let me focus on what God wants me to do, mm-hmm. what God is calling me to do, and what I can do on the, His day rather than what I cannot do. Mm-hmm. You know, let me focus in on what those things mm-hmm. But let, let, let's good. talk about it because I think it's a. It's, okay, well, it's let's relevant. do this. How about we do another one? Because um, I also want to go back to this chapter 25 on, or 24 on marriage, marriage, divorce, remarriage, yes. grounds for divorce, the confession, yeah, and then also the church, also chapter yeah. 25. That'd be good yeah. to do that. So, okay. Well, we will leave it there for today. Sounds good. Thank you all so much, as always, for listening to One for the Road podcast. We are uh, going to continue to try and put these out there. Tell your friends and neighbors to subscribe. Hope they're helpful. We always love feedback, and we hope that you will hear us next time on One for the Road.